Life isn't about avoiding the bruises. It's about collecting the scars to prove that we showed up for it. Join Nikki Seberini for the next hour as she explores heroism through illness. There is a warrior inside each of us. This is LifeLinks with the DL Link. LifeLinks is a funding initiative of the DL Link. John Sinai is going to be joining us in just a mo. He is a best-selling author. He is a global trend specialist, business innovation strategist, entrepreneur, speaker, and Singularity University faculty member. And amazingly, John has written, well, he's a best-selling author of five books. Um, and he's fulfilled his goal of staying on top of future trends by researching and publishing a book every year. But this is what I really love. John also trains for Ironman and then he convinces friends, family and fans to adopt abandoned dogs. John, welcome. Listen, you had me at that, eh? It's the abandoned dogs. You've got me. <laughs> Look, um, I cannot help but <laughs> greet every dog I walk past. I, in fact, I recognize dogs before they're humans. So somehow I'm just so in love with all dogs. So yes, nice to be here with you, Nikki. And thank you so much for the kind uh, introduction. John, I just, I hear you I see you I'm the same I love it I love it I love it so what does one say to a futurist when we've had the kind of year that we've had and you know on this show John we've we've really looked at COVID we've looked in terms of physical illness we've looked at mental illness we've had coaches come on board we've tried to deal with as many things as possible and the one thing we can say for certain is we just don't know how certain the future is and yet you have written a book um, your new book new best-selling book which came out in December, Future Next. You're talking about this kind of future post the pandemic. So maybe we can start off there, John. I mean, is it possible to be a futurist in the day in these these current times? Well, Nikki, what a great question. And obviously the big million dollar question that everybody wants to understand. Before I tell you about what the expected outcomes of this future could look like, the plausible and possible futures as we speak about, I think it's important to look at the past and look at some of the patterns that we have been through as humanity. Mm-hmm. There's a great book that came out in the 1990s called The Fourth Turning. And in this book, the two gentlemen that wrote it, they speak about something called a sacrum. And a sacrum is an 80 to 90 year cycle that we go through as humanity. And what they did was they researched back to the 1600s and they realized that we have been going through these 80 year, 90 year cycles for the last few hundred years, if not before. These two gentlemen are also the gentlemen that came up with the idea of baby boomers, Gen X, Gen Y, and Gen Z. They're the ones who mapped out the archetypes in these generations. So they are anthropologists and historians that are very well respected. In their book, what they describe is this 80-year cycle that ended last time in the 1940s, where we saw the end of World War II and the end of that world as we knew it. What we had straight after that was the beginning of a new world. In the early 1950s, we had the birth of the United Nations, the IMF, Brenton Woods. We had so many new things that started out. And we had the beginning of the 80-year cycle happen then. Where we are today is the winter, as they describe it, the fourth turning and the ending of another 80-year cycle. And so this implosion, this stress and trauma, this idea that we're addicted to certainty is all being questioned. And if you think about how every structure in our society is being questioned, like, for example, education, 
government, socioeconomic systems, Black Lives Matter, Me Too, Greta Thunberg, all of these are showing us that these old structures are dying away. And you know what? They need to. Because in order for us to evolve, we unfortunately have to go through a winter in order to get through a spring. So I think the context of where we are is important because I think many of our stresses is to want to go back to normality, which is not available to us. Also, that we are only desperate for familiarity and not brave and courageous enough for new. But that is where we are right now. And as a future strategist, and I'm part of Singularity University in San Francisco, and I'm part of Copenhagen Institute for Future Studies in Denmark, and both of these bodies are some of the brightest people when you thinks about the future, and none of them can even tell us what's coming in the future. And so we are very much at the beginning of a new world. And unfortunately, we still have to see quite a lot more implode. And go away and die away in order for us to begin this new journey. Wow, John, that's absolutely fascinating. Um, let, let's just unpack that a little bit. So when we go back in time, I mean, who were the futurists? The futurists were perhaps people seen as um, more religious, and I, I, I use it very cautiously, or more spiritual or connected to something beyond. Um, here we look at futurists. You're looking at trends. Um, you're analyzing data. You are quite strong. Strategic, and here we find ourselves in a time, as you say, it's the the winter cycle, the the, the fourth turning, um, and this idea that we don't know all of these bright minds and 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 feeling quite unsure about the future. So where I'm going to with this question is, is this a bit of a merging of where we are today, where we can take data and we can analyze it and look at a future and maybe going beyond, maybe looking at a bigger picture, maybe looking at, um, I don't know, the, the, the stars, creation, future telling. Mm. What, what do you have mm. to say about that? Well, I think what you're referring to in the past, they weren't really futurists. They were more psychic, right? They were, yeah. they were kind of yeah. much more connected to some sort of source or, or spiritual sort of idea of what the possible future could look like. For me, my skill set's much more around understanding patterns and realizing that these patterns and flows are really with us as human beings. In every aspect of our lives, we have growth, maturation, entropy, and death. And then again, growth, maturation, entropy, and death. And this is for human life. This is for farming. This is for seasons, for businesses, for everything. And so we got to understand those cycles first and foremost. But I like your question because I think it points to something else that we need to take into account is that when we move from agricultural times to industrial times, remember that the most important thing in the agricultural times was our muscles, our brawn, and our understanding of the season. But then when we move to the industrial times, we have to become more intelligent, system thinking, left brain, not so much our muscles, but our left brain logical thinking. But guess where we are now? We are moving from an industrial revolution to a dynamic quantum world where logic isn't the winning formula, but intuition is. So we move from brawn to in intelligence, and now we're moving to intuition. Interesting conversation with John Sinai, best-selling author, global trend specialist, business innovation strategist, entrepreneur, speaker, and Singularity University faculty member, and also best-selling author, his uh, fifth book um, on the shelves, Future Next. 
Um, and we're going to be talking about that, but we're really just unpacking this whole discussion, a really interesting conversation, looking at the past merging into this moment and, and where we're going with the future. Um, and the idea of this, these 80 to 90 year cycles that you mentioned, John, from the book, The Fourth Turning. Um, and, and just mm. talking about the, you know, using brawn, um, then we're going to the next uh, revolution of the industrial revolution. People have been talking about the revolution, the, 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 the AI revolution, uh, artificial intelligence. This is where the future goes. So you mentioned the intuition as well. So how yes. does that merge? Where where do we go so, with the intuition merging with AI? Right. So the thing is, is that AI is going to take over all that logical thinking that we did with intelligence. You know. So we must also realize that AI is the new electricity. We at the turn of the 19th century added electricity to everything. You know, from toothbrushes to washing machines to irons to you can't imagine your life without electricity today. It's just so ubiquitous. The new AI, I mean, the new electricity is AI and AI will now be attached to everything. So already we've seen cups that have got AI in them attached to your phone, telling you whether you've drank enough water today or not. There's AI with um, lights that pick up on your facial expressions and change the mood in the room. So you understand that everything will become intelligent. And when they become intelligent, we cannot compete against them because we cannot compete against tractors either because they do a much better job at farming than we ever could, right? Mm -hmm. So understanding that we are moving to a place of letting go of logical thinking and moving towards a state of emotional intelligence. And now what happens is that when you've got all of those sort of logical things taken care of, you now have to decide on developing your right brain and your intuition and your emotional state being a priority. You know, for the longest time, survival has been our priority, but we're moving into a world of digital abundance. There's more education, more music, more entertainment than ever before. Now it becomes most important to follow our curiosity and our excitement and to really tap into what God has given all of us, our own pocket of genius. And this is the time for us to do that. And so we are transitioning from this old world into this new world. And this is what making people sad, frustrated and angry. But when you have the context that all transformation is three stages, the sad, the strange and the adventure, you start to realize we are in the sad and strange. And that's okay. That's what all all transformations require. The brave and the courageous will spend their time reimagining this new adventure. The sad, the upset, and the anxious, all they're showing is that they're trying to hold on to old stories, old narratives, and old ideas of success. And this is what we need to be challenging today. So, John, in your book, um, Future Next, um, I unfortunately haven't read it, but I believe you talk about these two archetypes, um, the dramatist and the creator. And, yeah, so it's kind of you're talking about that transitioning, which is now and how uncomfortable the transitioning can be, mm-hmm. um, and that we are going to – and, and I, I think that a word that we haven't used and I I don't always want to use it because but the word trust kind of with the intuition and the it's it's a bit of a strange word to put into it but how how Mm. would that then fit in with these two archetypes that you talk about or that you write about the dramatist and the creator Mm. and and what does that mean to us so great question the the idea here is this, is that I call that part of the book, the survivor consciousness trigger points. And what has happened is whenever we're in a state of uncertainty, we get triggered in very different ways. Some people thrive and most people 
kind of move back into their shells. And we have thousands of different relationships in our lives. And by that, I don't mean with other people. I mean the relationship with our body, relationship with money, relationship with power, relationship with our spouse. Relation- we just have many relationships. And each one of these slithers of relationships, we have an opportunity to come at them utilizing the drama or the naive mindset or the creator or the mature mindset. And in, in every one of our lives, in some of these relationships, we are mature and some of them, we are naive. And so the three characteristics in the drama triangle are the victim, poor me, I can't believe this is happening to me. The sympathetic savior, the person is always feeling sorry for the world, but not really doing anything for them, just indirectly giving themselves permission to feel sad. And the last one is the angry person, continuously angry with the world and just with everything and everybody and just constantly angry. Now, we understand that when you are trapped in that naive mindset, you cannot evolve, you cannot change, you cannot energize, and you're just actually keeping everybody around you also quite sad and angry, just like you are. Now, we have a very clear choice. You know, when you become aware of these three emotions, you can now shift, choose, and try, move from victim to creator. This is not about me, but there are many opportunities from change. You know, there's a great saying that says, when nothing is certain, anything is possible. And that's the mindset of the creator. You move from sympathy savior to empathetic coach. In other words, you stop feeling sorry for the world. You look for ways to empower the world. And this is Oprah. You know, Oprah doesn't feel sorry for women. She empowers women around the world. Very different energy. And then you move from anger to challenger. And you don't get angry with the world. You challenge yourself and you challenge your community to step up and be better and be stronger. Now, these these two dynamics are found right across the board in our lives. You know, your money relationship might be dramatic and your relationship with your spouse might be a creator. And so what we want to do in this time of uncertainty is think about the future. And many people have moved into the drama triangle about the future. And the only reason for that is that it doesn't look like the past. And so what this comes to is the fact that as a society, we've been addicted to certainty and we don't have that luxury anymore. And I don't even know if it's a luxury. I think it's such a hindrance, actually. And now that we are having to reimagine our world, people are taking strain because we haven't been practicing reimagination because we've been addicted to certainty. So this is really an emotional and mental process that we need to deal with as we move into this uncertain future. Because if nobody knows what the future looks like, the only thing we can manage is our behavior. And that's the real sort of crux of the book. John, um, we don't have that much time. And I'm sure that people are so intrigued and and, uh, would love to hear so much more um, because the discussion is so interesting. But for the person who's listening right now, you talk about AI being the new electricity. Electricity. You're talking about this transitioning, how we're going to have to work more on our emotional intelligence. What about the person who's listening now? Their job's not the same or they have to change the way they do business completely. You know, the world has changed so radically in 12 months and certainly when it comes to the economy and how to make a living in this new economy. What do you say to that person who is just trying to make their way into this future, this very uncertain future, and they don't know how to play the game? They don't know how to play and look at these two dynamics of the dramatist and the creator. You know, Nikki, unfortunately, there is no easy answer because this is a tough time. You know, innovation is doing what you did yesterday, but better. Disruption is making the current business model obsolete to create a new one. And this is where we are. This is what a transition is about. It's tough. It really is a very taxing process. Our brains are tired. Our emotions are fatigued. 
And just because we've worked really hard, we have no guarantee. Just because we've worked in a job for 40 years, there's no guarantee. The company might not be around. Your job might not be around. And so, yes, of course, it's hard. I don't want to take anything away from that. But realize this. There is no choice. We are speeding towards this future at an incredible pace. The people that will thrive are the ones that will get out of their own way and to relearn what the future requires. I think there's a great quote by Alan Watts that can sum it up. It says, the knowledgeable man has to learn something new every day, but the wise man has to unlearn something new every day. So the future requires more wisdom and less cleverness, more intuition, less logic, more excitement and less anxiousness. Oh, when I listen to you, I get excited. I'm thrilled. Um, the future looks amazing. Um, last question that I'm going to ask you um, is the very real question. Um, you talk about the dramatist, the creator. There's the person in between. I don't know where they fit, that stuck person. A lot of mental illness on the increase, and I'm not coming to you from that perspective because that's not your area. But you will have noticed in the world today where we try and control as many things as we possibly can. And we have this uncertain future, and what it is doing is it's, it's the, the mental illness is is increasing dr- dramatically because of that. Mm. So, John, so 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 it, once that's thrown into the mixture, mm. um, how, what, what do you see in terms of that? In terms of the future sure. of, of human beings who are quite vulnerable when it comes yes. to this emotional exhaustion and and the mental illness. Well, understand something that trauma sits within our lineage, even from our parents, as well as within our own beings. And often we don't deal with it. You know, um, we were so busy being busy that we didn't give any space, time and energy to healing ourselves, our childhood issues, our any, any issue. And listen, we've all got those issues and trauma takes its own time to come to the surface. And so with COVID-19, it's almost like fast tracked all this trauma to come to the surface. So this trauma has always been there. It's now being really questioned and people need to deal with it. And this is where I was talking about the emotional fitness is, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of us give so much time to going to university and there's nothing wrong with that. And studying is fantastic. And we give so much time to going to gym and that's also great. And because we want to stay fit and healthy and we eat well, but how many of us actually put that much effort into our emotional well-being? How many of us have those coaches? How many of us do that work, read those books, have those? Imagine we put that much effort into emotional well-being as we did to Joe. Just think about that. And so mm. it's almost as if everybody's obese emotionally. And guess mm. what? Of course, it's going to come to the surface. We haven't given it the time. Schooling doesn't look after it. We don't have extramural activities that look after it. It's just, it's something that's just been invisible for the last 150, 200 years. Mm. You know, it's like something yeah. we just had to deal with ourselves. And so this is the time for us to start focusing on those things because you wouldn't have that emotional stress and that trauma if you had been working on it. You know, just like you wouldn't be overweight if you were going to gym and eating well. So it's, yeah. it's exactly that. Again, again, Nikki, there's no easy answer. There's no silver bullet. This is amount of work that we need to do. And in order for us to be fit emotionally, we have to do exactly what we do to get physically fit. Put time and effort in, gain the experience, hire some coaches, get some help. And obviously, once you've done that work for a period of time, you do find ease. You do find peace. And ultimately, you find forgiveness for yourself mm-hmm. and people around you. And that's the real key here. All this trauma is based on lack of forgiveness, anger, perfection, 
the need for more ambition. All of these are the sicknesses that our society has that are being questioned at the moment. Yeah, and extraordinary how this time is really, as you say, it's really brought it out. All that trauma from the past has, has come out. So I suppose that's what, when I asked you the original question about being the futurist and then we could have the Nostradamus or the psychics or whatever, mm. it's, there mm. is definitely the merging, as you say, the intuition, the emotional intelligence. It's, it is a very interesting time for, yeah. for human Kind and uh, I love that you've put this uh, put this all down in your book Future Next. So, John, for for people who want to get their hands on your book, how do they do it? Where do they go? Well, thank you again for the opportunity to speak to your listeners about it. I've been on I've been on this radio station many times. I'm a big fan. I went to Sandringham High School, so and I'm not yeah. Jewish, but my friends all <laughs> call me Jewish. Yeah, I'm like, I'm in the, I'm in the hood, you know, I grew up in Glen Hazel, so I, I know the vibe. Um, my book, Future Next, is available at all good bookshops, uh, Amazon as well. Uh, I haven't recorded the Audible as yet, but I have a podcast called The Expansive where I unpack chapters and sections of it as well. And I'm constantly sharing the latest research that I'm doing on all my books across all my social channels. So join me there or get my book one way or the other. I look forward to connecting with all of you more often and in real life, hopefully in the near future. Please God in real life. John, wonderful having you on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. My pleasure. Enjoyed it. Do take care. Ciao. Thank you. Bye-bye.